0: Now, I'll have to tell you that one of the greatest blessings in life is children. Somebody say amen. amen. And as a result of one of the greatest blessings in life, perhaps the most devastating tragedy in life is the death of a child. I know some of you have experienced that in your own lives. I mean, we expect to lose our parents... At some point in life. About half of us who are married. Will lose a spouse. To death. But we assume that our kids. Will be around. To mourn for us. When we die. But I think you would agree. That most any mom or dad. Would gladly give their own lives for the life of their child. And that's why Genesis chapter 22 is such an incredible Bible moving story. You see, today, in a true example of unbridled faith, Abraham does something that is nearly impossible for anybody here to even consider. We struggle with the very idea of what we're going to read about today. I mean, how would you respond to a request from God to sacrifice your child? Yet in Genesis 22 and verse 1, the Bible begins this heart wrenching narrative by saying that God tested Abraham. Now, as it turns out, that's probably the greatest understatement the Bible ever told. But this test required unbridled faithfulness because it involves Abraham's one and only son. It involves Abraham's son that had been promised for decades. It involved Abraham's son who was dearly, dearly loved. Now, we don't, really know but the bible because the bible doesn't really tell us but bible scholars suggest that isaac abraham's son was a young man probably in his late teens and maybe even early 20s all we really know for sure is that the bible says that isaac was strong enough to carry wood And he was old enough to understand that you can't have a sacrifice without a lamb. Now, it's awful to think about losing a child. But it is almost unbearable to consider that your child would die at your own hand. But this incredible narrative about Abraham's life reveals to us three realities that I believe we can and should apply to our lives as believers today. The first reality about Abraham's life in this Genesis chapter 22 is the fact that genuine faith will be tested. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 22 beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass, how many of you know that a test will come, but it will come to pass. It came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, "Abraham." And he said, "Here I am." And then God said, "Take now Your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, if you're reading from the King James Version, that verse 1 says that God tempted Abraham. But it's probably better understood, as the New King James Version says it, that God tested Abraham. Because we know that as James assures us, that God does not tempt anyone to do evil, but does test our faith, so that it will show evidence whether it's real or not. But what is the overriding purpose behind testing. Why does God test our faith? Well, one thing we can be certain of is this. God does not test your commitment to discover whether you're really committed or not. See, He's God. He already knows whether you're really committed or not and He knows to what degree you are committed to Him. But you will never know we will never know just how committed we are to God until it's tested. When we face tests in life, how many of us have said, uh, when it seems unreasonable, we say, why, Lord? When the test is inconvenient, what do we say? Why now, Lord? When we think the test is unfair, what do we say? Why me, Lord? And when we think the test is unbearable, we say, how am I ever going to stand up to this, Lord? But what I want you to know this morning is that there is a purpose behind every test. You see, God does nothing without purpose everything god does in your life involves a purpose and that purpose is usually one of three things god is either trying to reveal his faithfulness to you or he's trying to teach you a new truth or perhaps he's wanting you to grow He wants you to move forward in your faith, and therefore he will test it to drive you forward in your faith. But one thing's for sure, there's a purpose behind the testing. But there's also a promise concerning the testing of God. Now for believers, uh, the promise is twofold concerning testing. The first promise is God controls the testing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, believers are promised that no testing comes against you except what is common to man and that God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested more than you're able. God controls the testing. But there's a second part of the promise and that is that God will be with you in the testing. When your faith is tested, perhaps the greatest thing that you need to remember is that God has promised to never abandon you. He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, especially in times of testing. When Joshua faced overwhelming odds, here's what God told him He said, Joshua, be strong, boy. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When you're going through a test, God's with you. He's with you. But we must also consider not only this purpose of testing and the promises involving testing, but we must also consider the process of testing. Verse 1 says, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now what does that mean for you and I? Don't miss this. Because here's what it means. This new test of faith, yeah, it kind of came on sudden. But it came after a, a result of a lifetime of God dealing with Abraham. It was part of the process of God dealing with Abraham. You may remember in our Walking with God series, we learned that trusting Christ is not a one-time event. No, you getting saved, man, that's just the first step you take. That's when the Lord really begins to work, amen? Instead, uh, trusting Christ is a lifelong process. A lifelong process of learning to depend on God and learning to surrender to His will, not your own will. In order to make Abraham's faith grow, God found that He had to strip him. He had to strip him of everything he clung to until such time that Abraham only clung to God. Can I tell you that's what God desires for your life? You're to anything but God. God will force you to grow. He may strip you of that that is taking His place. Consider this. God placed His finger on the most precious things in Abraham's life. He pointed out the most precious things in Abraham's life and He says, I want you to surrender that to Me. I gave it to you. It's mine. And so you have to wonder, had Abraham come to love Isaac more than he loved God himself? We don't know. But irregardless, Abraham faced the test of faith. And I want to assure you of something this morning. Your faith is going to be tested as well. Know there's a purpose. Know the promises are there. He'll always be with you. He controls the testing. And he will walk you through the process of the test. But there's a second reality. That this narrative shows us that we can apply to our life. And that is genuine trust Our genuine faith requires trust. Let's go back to Genesis 22 and verse 3. And read this narrative in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. Did you notice that immediately the next morning Abraham is about obeying God in every detail? Verse 4. Then on the third day, y'all know of something else that happened on the third day? We'll just keep going there. Amen. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, If I can say it the way we do in Anderson, y'all stay here. <laughs> y'all stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I are going to go yonder. Abraham was southern, y'all. <laughs> the lad and I are going to go yonder and worship and we are going to come back to you so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife what was he going to do with that knife Go going to kill his son and the two of them went together and Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said My father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look. The fire. And the wood. I see the fire in your hand. I feel the wood on my back. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And so the two of them went together, and when they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, and then he bound up Isaac his son, then he laid his son on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham wakes up early in the next morning and he took Isaac and some of his servants on this heartbreaking three-day journey to a place called Mount Moriah. You need to remember that name, Mount Moriah. Because he could have woke up that morning and he could have come up with any number of excuses. Lord, I really need to pray about this a little bit. Abraham could have said, Lord, I need a sign. He could have said, Lord, surely there's a better time for me to go yonder and worship. (laughs) But he didn't. Abraham said, your will be done, not mine. And there, at the foot of that mountain, in the middle of what had to be the most anguishing time of his life, we read about this incredible expression of hope. In verse 5, Abraham told his servants, y'all stay here with the donkey. The lad and I are going yonder to worship, and we will come back to you. Do y'all hear that faith in action in Abraham's statement? I mean, there, knowing that he fully intended to kill and then to offer his one son as a sacrifice, Abraham had had the faith to somehow, some way, know that they were going to return together. Abraham had grown in his faith to the point where he trusted God would raise up Isaac even after he killed him. And here's how the writer of Hebrews says it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, By faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and when he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's faith in action right there. So Abraham and Isaac, they... Proceed up Mount Moriah. And on their way, Isaac asks a question that surely broke the heart of his father. Daddy, I see you holding that fire. Daddy, I feel the burden of this wood on my back. But where is the lamb be sacrificed can I tell you that that is the central question in the whole Old Testament where is the lamb where is the lamb and Abraham says my son God will provide for himself a lamb as we approach Easter friend you need to know that we celebrate the fact that God provided for himself a lamb For you and for me. See, thousands of years after Abraham, this narrative, thousands of years later, John the Baptist would point his finger at Jesus and he would declare, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus died on the cross and became that once and for all sacrifice for you and for me. He became the Lamb of God so after about three days they arrive at Mount Moriah Abraham builds an altar on top of the mountain he arranges the wood and then he binds up his 20 year old and he lays him on the altar and then Abraham took a knife he raised his arm with the full intention of plunging that knife into the body of his son. You see, faith requires trust. And trust requires action. But not only will your faith be tested, your trust in God will be required. And in doing so, you can be assured of the third reality of genuine faith. And that is that genuine faith will always, somebody say always, always triumph. If you'll go back to Genesis 22 and verse 11. As Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, Here I am. And the angel said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know. Now I know, his faith had been tested, and God says, Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verse 13, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked there, behind him was a ram. Ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering, listen, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. So as Abraham is on the verge of carrying out the command of God, An angel spoke to Abraham from heaven. And God halted Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Now you got to ask, why would God stop Abraham from being obedient? Why would He stop him from being obedient? Well, there's two reasons really. One is, such a sacrifice would have no benefit for anybody else. Think about it. There's no way that Isaac's sacrifice could pay for anybody else's sins. The sacrifice of a sinless lamb coming much, much later would have to do that. But secondly, Abraham had already proven his faith. He'd not withheld his son, his only son, from God. In verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. Literally, that's Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh. For the Lord, he is the provider. And then if you look in verse 15, we'll see the incredible triumphant conclusion to the story. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself... I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son from me, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and in your seed. In your generations, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That, friend, is the triumph. We are the beneficiaries of Abraham's triumph of faith because, as you know, Jesus was a direct descendant From Abraham. So in those little verses. From 15 to 19. We see two incredible. Mountaintop moments. In Abraham's life. The first moment. That had to be incredibly triumphant. Was when Abraham looked over his shoulder. And he saw that ram in the thicket. Praise God he saw that ram in the thicket. But the second mountaintop moment was when Abraham heard God's words of praise because of his obedience and his willingness not to withhold even his son from God. Can you imagine the overwhelming joy that welled up in Abraham's heart? Can I tell you that we too can expect the praise of God when we live by faith? If you're living by faith, just brace yourself for it. You're getting ready to hear the words of praise straight from the mouth of God. But let's don't leave this story without hearing the picture behind the picture. Because there's more to this story than just the narrative that we read in the Old Testament. Now God obviously wanted to use this incredible test of faith as a picture of what he himself would do with his own son, Jesus. You see, it wasn't just a quinky dink. Hey, Amen. Y'all know what a quinky dink is, don't you? It wasn't just a coincidence that Abraham was directed by God to go to Mount Moriah for this test of faith. We learn in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 that. Mount Moriah was where the temple stood. Mount Moriah is where the worship of God occurred. But we also learn that the city of Jerusalem, Zion, the city of God, was on top of Mount Moriah. We also know that the cross of Jesus Christ was erected on the top of Mount Moriah. So let me get this right. This place where Abraham was told to sacrifice his one and only son Isaac is the same place where God sacrificed His one and only son for you and me. This place where God would provide a ram as a substitute for Abraham's son is the same place where God provided a substitute, Jesus, for me? Let me get this right. This mountain where Isaac carried up wood for the sacrifice is the same mountain That Jesus would carry up a wooden cross for the ultimate sacrifice? The picture behind the picture. But there's something else you've got to ask yourself. How was it that 100-year-old Abraham was able to tie up 20 year old Isaac and lay him on the wood. Surely, 20-year-old Isaac was stronger than his 100-year-old father. How did Isaac end up on that woodpile altar? We can only conclude that Isaac went willingly at his father's request. Just like Jesus went willingly in submission to his father. Can I tell you, I am so thankful that animal sacrifices are over. Somebody say amen. Y'all, I just finished the book of Numbers in my daily Bible study and I'm so sick and tired of burnt offerings and sin offerings and free will offerings and heave offerings and wave offerings and every other kind of offering. I'm so thankful that Jesus was the once and for all offering. Amen. But now that I have accepted Jesus as the once and for all offering and sacrifice for my sins, what does God demand of me? As a believer in Christ, what does God now demand of me? As a child of God, what does God demand of you today? Well, the Apostle Paul answered that question in Romans chapter 12. Listen carefully. Romans, Paul is writing to, to Roman believers here. And Paul says, I beseech you, I urge you, Therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, by the mercies of God, that, listen, that you present your bodies, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Are y'all following me? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your regional form of worship. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove through the test. You may prove to other people what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say to you through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you don't you think of yourself more highly than you ought. But to each one God has dealt A measure of faith. What does God demand of me? The sacrifice that we are all called to give God now is a living sacrifice. Nothing short of your very life. He wants you and your very life to be given for the glory of God. A living sacrifice. Faith in action. A life. Your life. Given for His glory. You see friend, because of our sinful nature, we didn't have a single thing to offer to our holy God. Because of our sinful nature, every one of us needed a sacrifice that God would accept. So for us today, God's sinless son, Jesus, is the only sacrifice that's been offered. He's the only one. And he's the only sacrifice that will be accepted by God. Friend, do you understand that Jesus Christ is the only sacrifice that God will accept on your behalf? He's the only one. Do you understand that trusting in the sacrifice of Christ is the only way that you have any hope of heaven? It's only trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. If you believe it, if you trust, well, what about your family? What about your children? What about your neighbors? What about your friends? Do they believe? You see, faith will always triumph as long as it's put into action. Abraham's faith was tested and he trusted God and he put his faith into action. So here we are, once again at the conclusion of another worship service. We're here again at decision time. In other words, what are you going to do with what you've heard this morning? What are you going to do? God offers you the opportunity to accept Jesus as the only sacrifice for your sins. The only one. And he also offers you the blessing of receiving a gift. The gift of eternal life in heaven through Christ Jesus. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. If I could expand on that, behold, today is the day of recommitment. The day you put your faith into action. Behold, today is the day where you worship God with your very life. Behold, today is the day where you join with like-minded believers so that you can advance the cause of Christ. What are you going to do with what you've heard? Is your faith genuine? Has it been tested? Does it trust God? Are you seeing glimpses of the triumph? That's God's prayer for you as you walk with him as a living sacrifice. And that's my prayer for you this morning. If there's a decision that needs to be made today, today is the day of salvation. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we rejoice at your word. The good parts, the bad parts, the difficult to understand parts. And Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, the sacrifice, the only acceptable sacrifice, really the only sacrifice that was offered that could do anything about my sin. Lord, I pray today, if there is one who has not put their faith in the sacrifice of Christ for eternal life, Father, they would realize that today is the day. Today's the day. Lord, if they've been Uh, saved for some time, but they have to be honest. Their faith has not been put into action. Father, let today be the day of recommitment. Lord, let them come and say, from now on, I'm going to live by faith and I'm going to put it into action. Father, there's people here that have not been worshiping you with their very lives, Lord, let today be their day. Father, if there's one, there's two, if there's the whole church that wants to come and join forces with a a body of Christ that wants to advance the cause of Jesus, Lord, let today be their day. Father, we praise You and we thank You for this incredible, heart-wrenching, but victorious narrative that we've studied today. Lord, let it have a bearing on our life that drives us To live by genuine faith. And we're going to give you praise in advance for what you're going to do through this decision time. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.